The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. All right, let's get to John Liu now, Bloomberg's executive editor in Beijing, here to talk about the latest on the China COVID situation. And John, I want to start with uh, some of the rhetoric that we're seeing in state media. There was one article in Xinhua that caught my eye in particular, urging people to take responsibility for their own health and follow good hygiene habits. So is this an example of the government really stepping back in the COVID fight? How important is this sort of wording? I think what the government is trying to do now is to change the public narrative around uh, what COVID is and how China and how the Chinese public should react to it. I mean, prior to this, China, the official narrative was that COVID was this really dangerous disease, that uh, it was pathogenic, that people uh, could die. And and we saw an example of this, uh, the city of Shujiazhuang, which is uh, not far from Beijing, uh, there, uh, two weeks ago, there was a rumor that Shujiazhuang might become the sort of testing ground for opening up, and it actually spooked the population there because people thought, you know, that it, it would result in mass infections and mass mass deaths, and people started uh, panic buying. And so, uh, before China can actually open up, they really need to get the public uh, perception of the virus changed to to see the virus as. Uh, being less dangerous, maybe something akin to the flu. Mm, but, but this move to kind of relax COVID restrictions, the pivot on the part of uh, the government has been stunning. I mean, and you got to trace it back, I think, to last Saturday night in some of the protest, uh, young people out in force, and they managed, from what I'm reading on Bloomberg, to exploit some of the gaps in the firewall where the internet is concerned, and uh, news of this sh- was shared on social media and by word of mouth at a very quick rate, maybe uh, quicker than the censors were kind of prepared for, if at all. Talk to me a little bit about the extent to which young people in China are are influencing the conversation now, because, you know, the context here is that they've been stressed enormously, and you can only look at the unemployment rate, 20 percent among young people. I, I think the, the the fact that protesters were able to uh, organize, to get, not organize, but to get the word out that there was a protest happening that drew crowds, that drew more people there, I think speaks to how widespread the dis- dissatisfaction with uh, China's COVID policy has been. Because, you know, the country has a, a sophisticated, far-reaching censorship regime, and it was overwhelmed because there was just too much being posted on social media, too many videos, too many comments, too much communication. There, there was just no way for that censorship to be uh, to be undertaken uh, as it does on a day-to-day basis. And, and that was because there were so many people. Uh, I think uh, over the last three years, uh, this year especially with Omicron spreading so broadly across the country, uh, the, the amount of 
uh, lockdowns and testing and the burden on people was just building to a point that I think, you know, uh, there was something was going to break and something good. And that's that's what we saw in Saturday. Yeah, things have quietened down since then. But do you sense that we've seen the last of the protests? What's the mood on the ground? Well, I think the uh, I think more protests this weekend are relatively unlikely. And I think that's the that is the case because because one, the government is responding, as, as you guys have talked about. There are various measures being undertaken to try and relieve some of this burden. You know, in Beijing, for example, we just had a story yesterday that that the city authorities are going to allow people to uh, who are infected to quarantine at home. That's going to be a huge thing for people because uh, a lot of people here were more scared of being sent to an isolation facility than they were of the virus itself. And so if you take that off the table, it's going to make people feel much better. That Those steps combined with the fact that there are just so many police out on the streets now, combined with the fact that, you know, the government has very publicly warned people that, you know, they are not going to tolerate uh, behavior that uh, m- mass demonstrations in opposition of the government. And so I, I think it's pretty clear to people that if they anybody who chooses to go out and demonstrate this weekend is going to do so at great risk. And I think that means we're probably not going to see gatherings uh, over the next two days. John, earlier this hour, we were uh, chatting, Paul and I were chatting with Ting Lu, chief uh, China economist at Nomura, and he is prepared for a big spike in COVID infections that may go on for, for several months. From where you sit in Beijing, is the healthcare system able to handle this if, if there is that kind of shock and, and spike in cases that need treatment? I think the answer is potentially no. And the the number of ICU beds uh, in China per, you know, thousand people is very low. Uh, the healthcare system outside of the big cities, outside your Beijing, Shanghai, Shenzhen, Guangzhou, uh, is, is uh, fragile. If there is a big spike in serious cases, I think it would put a lot of pressure on the healthcare system. And I think that's what that's what had had the government uh, concerned about opening up, why they've been so reluctant to do so. We've seen some signs that they're doing a new push to get seniors, those over 80, vaccinated. Uh, there's a report out today from Taishi Magazine saying that the, the government is targeting getting 90% of those over 80 at least one shot. Uh, I think that's that, num- that stat right now is hovering around 70, so it's a big jump, and they want to get it done by the end of January. So the, the, the challenge is very daunting, I have to say. Yeah, and are the hospitals up to the task? Uh, I think that's, I think it's questionable. I think it's very, very questionable. And, you know, the, the government's going to try to do as much as it can. But, you know, it, this, is, this is where the danger lies in terms of an exit, in terms of a messy exit is, you know, the, the first, uh, the initial first couple of months could be really difficult for this country. Yeah. And I'm just wondering if any of the policy changes we've seen, do you feel that's as a response to the protests or was this all just going to happen anyway, just quickly? Uh, I think this was going to happen anyway. I think the protests have accelerated the pace and speed at which China is exiting COVID-0. All right, John Liu, we will have to leave it there. But thanks so much for joining us. John is Bloomberg's executive editor in Beijing.
The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.